Well, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to uh, talk about some really important people in the Bible. Everybody's important in the Bible. But I want to specifically look at some folks that um, had some life-changing events happen. And when I say that, I mean that, that we see where God clearly, God clearly did something significant in their life. These are people that are just like you and me. Sometimes we look at these, what we call the heroes or the leaders of the Bible, and we think that we can't be like that. But, but in all reality, we can be. Um, God takes ordinary people, just like you and me, and he does extraordinary things. So over the next couple of weeks, we're going to look at some of these folks, and we're going to specifically see what God had planned for their lives. And what I mean by plan, God doesn't like map out every detail of our life. I didn't mean it that way. But I do believe that God plans for us to have a life that makes a difference, a life that brings significance to this world. Because if our lives don't bring significance to this world, then where's the hope of the world? So as we look at these folks, we want to certainly uh, get to know a little bit more about not only um, what they did to change things in the world, but we want to look at how God changed them and the significance of what came from that. The Bible says that we can do all things through Christ. Anybody in the room believe that? Wow, they're asleep today. Does anybody believe we can do all things through Christ? Absolutely we can. And, and what we really believe as we look at that is that, that when we discover the power, the energy, the excitement of what God is doing in our lives, we realize that with God's help and only through God's help, we can accomplish great things. And we need to hold on to those words that, that Paul wrote, that we truly can do all things through Christ uh, who gives us strength. But what we've also got to realize on this journey of our faith is that that our ability to uh, aspire to the greatness that God has planned for us, it's not something that just comes automatic. It's something that requires an awakening on our part. It's something that uh, requires us to be in tune with what God is saying and speaking to us and how God nudges us uh, through our life. So with God's help, God takes us just the way that we are and he stretches us into something new, a new creation and a new force that, that moves us ahead. In 1983, John Scully was uh, uh, high up in the organization of the Pepsi-Cola company, and Scully was really in line to replace then-CEO um, uh, uh, Donald Kendall and, uh, as the PepsiCo president. And Kendall was getting ready to retire, so Scully found himself in that never-ending battle of hierarchy of a large corporation where he was going to have to have like a shootout at the OK Corral, so to speak, to make sure that he was going to be uh, selected as the CEO of the PepsiCo Corporation. Steve Jobs, who was the founder of Apple, um, heard about Scully and, and realized that, that he brought some great talents and gifts to the table. And Scully was so tied up in what the corporate world was going to have, um, Jobs realized that, that he needed to somehow help Scully look beyond the current and into the future as to what it really would be. And here's what he said to entice and to ultimately get Scully to join his organization. He said, do you want to sell sugar water for the rest of your life? Or do you want to join me at Apple and have an opportunity to change the world? I mean, if you think about that invitation, it's a huge one. And we find every day that, that we have those kinds of invitations. You have an invitation uh, to do something at work. You have an invitation to do something at school. You have an invitation to do something and answer some sort of invitation in your neighborhoods. We have that through the life of the church. This book, the Bible, is filled with all kinds of individuals who had those kinds of invitations. And today we're going to look at Abram. Um, Abram is uh, the one that we call the father of the faith in a sense that uh, he answered God's call to go do something great. And I want to share with you the story 
uh, of Abram, which comes in Genesis chapter 12. I'm going to be reading verses 1 through 9. So let's listen to this, uh, this powerful story. The Lord had said to Abram, leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land that I'm going to show you. So notice that God is saying to Abram, leave everything behind and go to this land that I'm going to show you. I'll make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I'll make your name great. I will, you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I'm going to curse them, and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So that tells Abram that his life is going to have a pretty powerful, if not pretty, an awesome significance to everyone else, because God says of all the people of the earth are going to be blessed because of Abram. So Abram left, as the Lord had told him, and, the, and Lot went with him, and Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. So you're thinking about a 75-year-old individual who's getting ready to leave everything that's established in their life into the desert to go across some pretty treacherous lands to get to this promise that, that, that God has placed out there. So he took his wife, Sari, and uh, his nephew, Lot, and all the possessions that they had accumulated and the people that they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Um, Abram traveled through the land as far as the side of the great tree of Morah at Shechem. And uh, at the time the Canaanites were in the land, the Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your offspring, I will give this land. So everything, Abram, that you see, I'm going to give this land that we're talking about, I'm going to give this to you. So he built an altar there to the Lord uh, who had appeared to him. And from there he went on toward the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent uh, with Bethel on the west and a on the, on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. And then Abram set out and continued toward the Negev. So he's on this um, very powerful journey. And God is sending him uh, to go in that particular way. So this relationship that we learn about Abram is something that I would say that, that God entering into this go and leave and do this and here's what I'm going to give you. I see it a lot like a, a marital relationship, like a marital covenant, because it's the demands of that. Abram was called to leave and to cleave as God was sending him to go forward. He was to leave his family, and he was to cleave or stick like glue to God as he moved forward, and he was to do so by faith. Um, and we, we realize that in Abram's day, um, it was significant to leave your family. Everything about your identity was about your family. You were who you were because of your father, your grandfather, and your great-great-grandfather, and whoever else's reputation. Your wealth was based upon your family's wealth because it was passed from generation to generation. Your God was your family's God. So the God that your family worshipped was the God that you worshipped. So the identity was significant there. Now, in the westernized world where you and I live, it's not that way at all. We're a very mobile society, aren't we? I mean, we, if we can keep familial connections, then that's a wonderful thing. And sometimes we have to use technology to do that. FaceTime, Skype, um, you know, all those kinds of things. Um, cell phones, just to stay connected uh, when we're trying to do these things. So, so in Abram's day, though, it was significant to stay with your family. In our day, we, we are away from our families and far in distances quite a bit all the time. So something has changed in the relationship that we see. But for Abram, it was significant. So to leave his family, to leave his land, to leave his inheritance, to leave his wealth, to leave everything that there was that was his identifying marker was huge. 
And so Abram takes this step to do what God says, not lightly he doesn't take the step, but he does it with great significance. And he realizes by taking this step and leaving everything, he is totally reliant on God. He is totally relying on God. Now, following God's lead isn't always an easy thing, is it? Um, I think everyone in the room probably can say at some point in time in life that, that you've been nudged to follow God's lead on something or maybe shoved or, or kind of pushed a little bit or suggestion uh, as God has placed that before you. And we see some significant things that come. Many of you have shared your stories of faith with me. You've shared your stories of faith with each other. And out of those stories of faith, what we understand is that as God has spoken, as God has nudged, as God has pushed you forward in some of those things, that you begin to see this big plan that God has. Again, uh, we don't believe that God uh, pre-orchestrates our life because we believe that we live under the, the curse of original sin. And therefore, through our choices, we get off the path of holiness that God has for us. But what we know is that the heart of God is for us to travel the path of holiness, that God calls us into a life that brings great joy and brings um, the desired outcome from that. So when things happen in our lives and when the unthinkable comes, sometimes it rattles us. Sometimes when the unknown or the unthinkable comes and we're not aware, we realize that we have a choice. We can either live into the downfall of what's happening or we can take a step of faith and follow God's lead out of the situation or out of where we are and use obedient faith. We hear so many stories of people that, that tell us about these encounters that they have. And some of you say, well, you describe it as I've had spirit bumps, as, as someone's told me about that, and chills down my spine about those who have followed God's lead and, and, and God's prompting and, and through the promptings that it always leads to something great. And we see that and we buy into that and we know that, that when we follow God's prompting that lives get touched uh, laws get changed. Uh, society begins to learn how to live in harmony again. And love prevails as the key trait. And we see that that's good stuff, right? But what happens when we don't follow God's lead? What happens when we aren't obedient? What happens if we don't take that step of faith? Where does that lead us? And what happens? Before I entered uh, the ministry, uh, several years before I entered the ministry, we established our uh, church home uh, in Longwood, Florida. And um, it was back in the uh, middle 80s. And during that time, um, Haiti was a country that uh, people just kind of maybe heard a little about, but, but not a whole lot. And the Florida Annual Conference of the United Methodist Church was moving to uh, build, begin to build a bridge with the country of Haiti, especially the uh, Methodist Church in Haiti. And so we had an opportunity at our church, our associate pastor was going to take a small group from our church, a contingent, and we were going to go to Haiti, we were going to understand the culture, we were going to begin to make friends, we were going to be able to understand um, what it's like to live as a Christian in a, in a country that's filled with hoodoo and, and all sorts of bizarre things. And I was really excited about that, and God had pressed that into my heart and said, I really want you to do this, and, and now is the time uh, for you to go and do this. And as the time got closer and closer and closer, my excitement level began to, to increase. And it was, you know, I was telling Patty, you know, I really feel like I need to do this and Gil wants us to go and, and I'll go ahead and go and so on. And, um, but as we got to the point of actually making the arrangements to get on the plane and to fly and to begin this ministry, the unthinkable happened. I began to become fearful. 
Um, I had gotten to a point where, where I started second-guessing and questioning and wondering, and, 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 and life was, was, wasn't going to be as safe as it was you know, living in, in the area where we are. I was going to go to a foreign country. I was going to go to a place that, that lately had been in the news, and lots of things, weird things were happening. And I started thinking, like, what if I go down there and I get dysentery? What if I go down there and I get cholera? What happens if I get you know, disease or something, and I come back here and I get really ill? And the what if, what if, what if, what if, what if started happening. So this hope and this dream that God had impressed in my heart to say, go, I had put the kibosh on it. And, and I wonder, as I look back on that, because that could have been the catalyst that could have propelled my answering a call to ministry a lot sooner, many years before I actually did. And sometimes I look back on that and I wonder, what would have happened if? What would have happened if? So we think about these things. And we wonder, so what about you? Have, have you found yourself ever at a point where God put an impression on your heart? God is, is seeking you to do something. God is leading you to a solution or to a new path, but for whatever reason, you don't respond to the prompting that God gives you. By faith, Abram went where he was told, and even though it didn't make sense, he went. He saw the promises before him, and he saw the choices for that. You know, it's really interesting because as we read the story of Abram, nowhere do we see or find the dialogue that Abram and Sari have as they're talking about this. I mean, you know, he hears from God, and God says, pack up and leave. I mean, nowhere do we read in the Scripture where he comes home and says, sweetheart, we're moving. Pack up the kitchen, get the donkey loaded, let's go. You don't see that at all. And I don't know if that's because she threw stuff at him or, or um, she, uh, you know, uh, separated from, and we don't know any of that. But what we do know is Abram took that step. He, he walked by faith. He saw the promises of God before him. And even though he was unable to see the end result where it would lead, he trusted God. You know, the scripture does tell us that, that the fulfillment of what God promised Abram did not happen in his lifetime. That it, that it continues to be well after that. So even this great step of faith that he takes, he's not even going to see the fruit of it. But God says, take that step. You know, some people would say that, that that's vision. That vision is when we can't see the end result, when we're not sure the outcome or how we're going to get there, but we realize that we have all of this passion, we have all of these thoughts, we have all of these things that are informing us to move ahead, that that's what vision can be. In fact, Webster says this. Webster says vision is the faculty of sight. It's unusual foresight. It's a mental image produced by the imagination. So when you think about um, a, you know, a vision, like you vision you want this for your, your career or you want this for your family, or we say as God's vision for our church, it's that unimaginable, and if we can actually make it happen on our own, then it's not from God. Because why would God call us to do something that we can do in our own strength? He won't do that. But he will call us to step out in faith, to engage the unknown, knowing fully well that we have to lean into God and that God is the critical nature of the success of what it is that happens to us. So vision is also the experience of the supernatural with the earthly eyes. So it's, it's the picture of a desired future. It's a picture that can be seen of what is not yet, but what can be. It's seeing God's heart for your future. 
So if you've ever followed a dream for your life, you, you kind of recognize this. I'm not talking about goals. You know, we're at the first of the year. Well, I've got this goal. Excuse me, my nose keeps itching. Um, I'm at the first of the year. I've got this goal. I've got that goal and this and that and the other thing that I want to do. That's not at all where we are. Vision and dreams. What is it that you're willing to invest your life in to pursue? What is it that you're willing to place everything else behind you so that this is the one thing that is ahead of you. And, and when we think about that, we realize that all of us in some capacity are wired to want to see our dreams come true. Now, I have yet to meet anybody, and nobody came up to me after the last service either, so I've yet to meet anybody who's ever come to me and said, um, my dream in life is to just be mediocre all I want to do is, you know, just be a nobody. I just kind of want to be unseen. I mean, nobody has that as a dream. I believe that most of us have as a dream that we want to aspire to the greatness of what God has created us to be. And as we pursue that, we see the significance that comes. So, so if you've had a dream and you, and you begin to see that in your life, what do you do when something comes your way uh, that would place you right in the forefront of being a game changer in your life? Do you accept that, and do you move forward with total trust, or like I did so many years ago, do you start second-guessing and lose the opportunity of what could happen? You know, truth be known, we, we learn from our past. I, I grew up with three older brothers, and I can tell you that I learned very quickly what I could get away with with my parents. And because I, I saw how they had to pay the price. I could see what I could get away with. I could see how I could push the boundaries. And even with our kids, we learn from our past, and it's our past experiences that inform us more of the current reality that we see. So out of our past, we begin to see the greater vision of what lays ahead. But the mistakes or the missed opportunities of the past also help us to see the importance and the critical nature of accepting the opportunity that's before us. We learn from our past. I, I read an, uh, an article one time about a curse that a native island that their people placed upon themselves. And the curse was that they would place this curse on someone that they didn't like, someone that was considered their enemy. And this was the curse. May you stand in one place forever. That was the curse. Now, if you think about that, um, we, uh, when we live in the past, that's exactly what we end up doing. We stand in one place uh, forever. So, so we're to learn from our past, but we're not to remain in our past. We are to move forward. We're not to, to stand and never move or to make progress for that. So God doesn't desire for us to stand in one place forever. And occasionally we see how God is putting those opportunities before us. And we need to understand that God has goals for us. And are we willing to achieve those? So God says this to Abram, leave your family, leave your country, leave your people, leave your father's household and go. So God is asking Abram to choose, make the choice. And God today is asking you and me. He asks us every day to make a choice. Will we choose God or will we choose ourselves? Will we choose God's desire in our life or will we choose our own desire? We have to first decide whether to abandon the things that we hold on to the past so that we can move forward. We must decide that we are willing to abandon the toxic relationships that we somehow want to hold on to and the relationships that hold us back. We have to decide 
that we move forward with the promises that God places before us. We must decide whether to set aside our blessing and our inheritance and all the things that we think make us who we are in order for us to receive and achieve the inheritance that God describes. But we can't be afraid. We have to be like Abram. We have to understand that God sends us forward with a blessing. And the blessings that God said to Abram were this. He said, I'm going to show you a new land that I have specifically uh, placed for you. He said, I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to bless you. I will make your name great. I will bless those who bless you. I, I will curse those who curse you. And all the people on earth will be blessed through you. These were God's promises to Abram. These are the same promises that God makes to you and me. And the question becomes, will we live into those promises? And will we see that those promises that God places before us far outweigh the fear of us leaving behind to move forward for the greater good? And the promises are that impetus. There's two things I want you to take away today. Here, here's what I want you to take away. Obedient people follow God's invitation into the unknown. Okay, so obedient people follow God's invitation into the unknown. Complacency says this, stick to the status quo, but obedience says, grab your stuff, we're leaving. Okay, here's the second one. Obedient people follow God's powerful direction against the impossible. That whatever looks impossible is possible for God. Remember, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. So we see this. The status quo says it can't be done, and obedience says, with God, all things are possible. So this year, I'm truly convinced that God is going to stretch all of us. And the question becomes, will we allow ourselves to be stretched? You see, our, we're, we're kind of like this, this elastic band, and this represents our life. And if we just live within the premise of this, this is all life can be. This is the significance of what it can be. But this year, God is going to say, I want you to stretch and be something far greater. And I want you to become something more of what I've created. So we are to stretch. Abram stretched, and you and I will stretch.